The Old Testament lesson for the 11th Sunday after Trinity is from Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. There are two lies that are told about God's favor, about his love. Two lies that I want you to bear in mind this morning as we go through our texts. And they are these. First of all, that sinners can do something, anything, to earn God's approval. That's the first lie. That sinners can offer a sacrifice to God, live a holy life, do something or anything to earn God's favor. Lie number two is much like that first one. 
first one says you can do something. The second lie says you must. Sinners must do something in order to earn God's favor, in order to win his love. Those lies are the greatest obstacle to the gospel in our world. The lies that somehow we ourselves are going to make our way into God's kingdom. Bear that in mind as we make our way forward here. But first, back up. Last week we heard a warning about how not to come into church with the story of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the warnings from the prophet Jeremiah. We heard that it is a deadly thing to come into God's presence, to come into his house while living a life of sin, of open, wanton sin. Coming into God's house, disregarding his commandments, and then saying to yourself, look, all is well, I can go back and continue to do the things that I've done. That's how the people of Israel lived, and that is why God sent destruction on Jerusalem. But that is also how our world lives. Our world does not care one bit about God's approval. It is quite pleased to live however it wants and to hang on to any little bit of thread of hope. Well, look, I went to church on Sunday morning, all is well. Meanwhile, not amending ways or deeds, not turning towards God in faith. That's one way you should not come to church. Not planning to repent, holding on to your sins and living as if they did not matter. This week we hear another way you should not come into church, and that is in self-righteousness. This is a tricky thing because we'd like to think that if we were able to remove all of the sin from our lives, if we were able to live upright and pious, decent, and approved of lives, we could come to church and all would be well. Our consciences would be at ease because we had not committed any grievous sins during the course of the week. But Jesus warns us today, and the story of Cain and Abel give us this warning, that it is possible to live a life that looks pious, where no one can give you any blame, where no one can see you breaking any of God's commandments, and yet to come to church thinking that that, that is what makes you acceptable to God. That because you're not as bad as someone else, or because you've kicked whatever bad habits or sins you've had in your life, that somehow that is why God shows his favor to you. That is the kind of thing that leads the Pharisee in our parable and also Cain in our Old Testament lesson to come into God's presence and rather than expressing gratitude, really offering their own lives as a you're welcome to God. You told me to do good things and I've done them. You're welcome, God. That's what Cain said in his heart. That's what the Pharisee said in his heart. Much rather, we ought to come into God's presence in gratitude. And how that all works out is important, vital for us to pay attention to. But first notice this, that how easy it is for us to turn in self-righteousness is a reflection of what our hearts are truly like, what sinful human hearts are truly like. Hearts are factories of idols. That's what John Calvin said about human hearts. They're factories of idols. What that means is that we take so easily the good things that God gives us and we turn them into gods in their own right. Think about the most basic ways this happens. It's very easy for people to take money or health or family 
or success or comfort or ease in this life, things that are gifts of God, and to turn them into God himself, to put their trust and their hope in those things, to fear losing those things above all else. Our hearts are factories of idols. But notice this. It's also possible for us to take goodness itself, that is righteousness, following God's law, living like Jesus lived, loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's possible to take that and to turn that into an idol. So that when we have managed to do well, we check a box and say, thank God I've succeeded. Thank God that finally I'm good. Thank God that I can hang my hat on that and I can trust in that. How easily we turn the best things that God gives us. How easily we turn them into idols. It's not just a possibility, it's a likelihood given the nature of our hearts. This is the devil's great victory in our world, that he has led us into sin so that we trust in anything but God. That is, in fact, how the world works. The world is always striving to gain your trust. Think about the way that people long for the approval of the world. It's easy, it's low-hanging fruit in our day to think about social media. How readily people are willing to hide their flaws and put forward their attributes, to exalt their attributes, so that they can get a few thumbs up or a few views, a few likes from their friends, comments that are favorable. How easily we long for that kind of approval because this is the way the world deals with its people. It loves self-righteousness. It loves giving approval for things that have been earned. It loves when we hide our flaws and magnify our attributes and so feel good about ourselves. This was true long before the internet, however. People were always, have always been, and always will strive for the approval of others. Approval that they can earn. Approval that they can hang their hat on and so feel like they are doing well in our world. But notice this. The approval the world gives is fleeting and fickle. It changes from moment to moment. Think about high school. How easily you move in and out of groups of friends. How easily you can win the affection of someone that you've been striving to gain their affection from. And how easily you can lose it by some simple slip-up, some miscommunication, some mistake. The approval of the world is vain and fleeting, and as a result... No one can ever have any peace. And this, really, is the problem with self-righteousness. This is the problem with trying to check boxes and make a list and feel that we have done well and so gained the approval that matters. It is vain and fleeting and it can never give you any peace. This is why the world is so uneasy. This is why people are so uneasy. Because their hopes, their trust... They are all set on things that do not last, things that do not stand, things that change, things that go away, things that deceive and betray. That can't give anyone peace. You can see how this worked for Cain in our Old Testament lesson. He treated God and his favor, his approval, like the world treats approval and favor. He thought that he could do something to make God love him. And so, God rejected his sacrifice. God did not accept the sacrifice of Cain because Cain thought that by offering the sacrifice, God would love him. He thought that God was like the world, 
and that he had to do something in order to earn God's favor. You know what this is like. Maybe you've had somebody in your life, or maybe you yourself have done this, where something has gone wrong, some sin has been committed, and so you try to make up for it. You try to offer some amends. You try to make a sacrifice to the person, but they know. They know that really you're not sorry. You're just doing it to save face. You're just doing it to make yourself feel better. And so they reject your sacrifice. How good it is for you when your sacrifices of that character are rejected. Recognizing that offering something to make amends just to save face, that's not sorrow over sin. That's not a true apology. It's more like a bribe. It's more like trying to extort somebody into giving you their favor. That's how Cain was treating God. He was bribing him. Offering a sacrifice so that God would love him. Trying to show that he was something he was not. But look at what happens to him as a result. God rejects his sacrifice, and so he should. It was a bad sacrifice because it came from a bad heart. And how does Cain react? He gets angry. His face is fallen. He knows that he does not have the approval he was looking for, and so he takes it out on the nearest person, the easiest target, the one who does have God's approval, the one who doesn't have his face fallen because he is not ashamed, the one who has peace. He takes out his anger on his brother Abel. He should not have been angry, but he should have been sad. He should have been brokenhearted. He should have wondered what he had done wrong. He should have wondered why God does not approve of him and his sacrifice. He should have repented. He should have turned away from his self-righteousness. He should have turned away from his efforts to win God's favor. And instead, he shows contempt. He shows contempt for God and for his love. He shows contempt for everything that God has given to him. Where he was looking for approval, he did not find it. And where there is no approval, there is no peace. And so, everything goes awry. It's fruitful to use this story to examine your own life. Where have things gone awry? Where do you look for approval? Where do you look to God as though he were just like the world? Where in your life, when you do not find the approval you want, are you undone? Do you have peace? Or, like Cain, is your face fallen? Are you prone to lash out in anger or spite or malice or contempt? Do you have to bring others down in order to lift yourself up, even if it's just in your own mind? Why would that be the case? except that you do not have the approval that you have been looking for. You do not have the peace that God means to give. All of this, all of what Cain suffered and all of what we suffer when we lose sight of God's peace, all of it is a result of this, a single problem. It's a result of a lack of faith. Not faith as in something that we muster up, something that we do for God, which is what the world thinks faith is. But it's a lack of faith in this way. It's not taking God at his word. It's not hearing his promises and believing them. Think about Abel. Abel was not like Cain. He did not lash out in anger. He had no contempt. Why? 
because he had God's favor. How did Abel get like that? How could he be so humble? How could he offer a genuine sacrifice to God? How could he receive God's approval? Well, it wasn't because of anything in him. It wasn't because he was a wonderful person. It wasn't because he had straightened out everything crooked in his life. It wasn't because he had anyone else's approval. It was that he trusted in God's promises. The writer to the Hebrews says, by faith, Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God. By faith, he was able to come into God's presence and give something that God would approve of, that God would receive. He trusted that long before he ever tried to come into God's presence, long before he ever tried to offer a sacrifice to God, God loved him. That God gave him his favor. He believed that that was what came first. That there was nothing he could offer to God, no bribe that he could give him that would change his mind about him because God already had made up his mind. God loved him. And so when he came into his presence, knowing God's love, believing his promises, trusting in his goodness and mercy, Abel could give a sacrifice that was in gratitude, that said, thank you for everything you've given me and was not putting himself forward, was not setting himself up as something great. You can see what this takes, how hard this is. To do what Abel did, to offer a sacrifice to God in gratitude and not to try to win his affection, that means that you have to deny everything that the world tries to teach you about approval and favor. It means that you have to deny every bone in your body, all of the idols that your body wants to make, that your heart wants to make in the place of God. You have to put all of that away. It's an impossible thing. It's impossible for any one of us to do. It's impossible for natural man, for the man born in this sinful condition, and that is why it has to be done by God himself, why it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who changes hearts, who draws people to faith in God, who opens their eyes so that they can see his goodness and receive his mercy. He does it by means of his word. This is what happens when you hear the preaching of the gospel. God himself teaches you humility and repentance. He breaks down every idol in your heart and he goes to battle, goes to war against those lies that you hear all the time. He says to you time and again, without reservation, without any qualifications, without any conditions, he says to you, I love you and I have given everything that was mine for you. He says it as loudly and as clearly as he can by means of his words so that with the Holy Spirit you can believe and no longer look for approval in all of the wrong places. No longer try to win God's favor. No longer bribe him or extort him or be angry when you fail. He does all of that for you by means of his word. It's what he gives to you when you pray. Think about what you pray for in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You're praying that God would do this good work in you. That he would destroy the idols in your heart that he would teach you repentance and faith so that you would trust in his love and in his mercy and in his approval, that you would believe his word and live according to it. He leads you by means of his word and by his spirit to a life of complete dependence on him and his promises. That's where he wants you. Not trying to attain something that you cannot, not worried about your failure, not angry, 
because you cannot succeed but grateful that he has done it all for you. So hear carefully the gospel. What St. Paul says he delivers to the Corinthians as of first importance. This is the only thing that matters. That Christ died for your sins. On the cross, Jesus gave up his life for you. Taking all of the disapproval that you deserve, bearing that in himself, so that when the heavens were opened and God's voice came down and said of Jesus, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased, those words might be applied to you as well. Think of that. That is how Christ could go to the cross in confidence, because he knew that he had God's favor. He knew that he was the beloved child of God, and the same is true of you. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Everything that goes for him goes for you. You have nothing yet to earn, nothing yet to gain, nothing yet to win in God's eyes because it is all yours already. You are his beloved children. With you he is well pleased. And so now you have the great joy, the same joy that Abel had, of coming into his presence and offering him sacrifices with thanksgiving, in joy, out of gratitude, because of all that he has done for you, not holding back, not restraining yourself, but giving yourself to him entirely as living sacrifices, because he has won it all for you. He has not held anything back from you. That is an approval in Christ that is not fickle and fleeting like the approval of the world. As certainly as Christ is raised from the dead, so also is God favorable towards you. So also does he love you. But you have to know this, that those lies about God's favor, those lies abound. And they're easy to believe because of what God's favor looks like. Take a look at the tax collector in our gospel lesson. He looked miserable. And Abel, he's dead. As far as the world is concerned, they are most to be despised of all people. That tax collector and Abel, what do they have going for them? That's the way the world will look at you when you put your trust in God's promises. But know this, the tax collector went home justified. And Abel found grace, found peace with God because he put his trust in him. That's the only thing that matters. Both that tax collector and Abel, they have come into the lavish mercy of God. They have been welcomed into God's kingdom with joy. That is what waits for you. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in his approval, one for you in Christ. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.